0: How's it going? How's it going? And welcome to From the Sidelines. My name's Josh Duvall, and I'm here with Chad Davis and Devin Davis, and we've got an awesome interview for you today with Cincinnati Red Cody Reed. So be sure to follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Cody underscore Reed on Instagram, and on Twitter, Cody underscore Reed 23. And while you're at it, give him some early birthday wishes. And while you're at it as well, heck, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. Or if you have any questions or comments, concerns, whatever, you just want to email us for fun, heck, Email us at thefdspod at gmail.com. Let's get it rolling. All right. Now we welcome on to the podcast pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, Cody Reed. Cody, how you doing, man?
1: I'm good, man. How y'all doing?
0: Doing great. Doing great. So, uh, first, I guess I'll start out with, uh, you know, with the coronavirus going around and all the sports leagues are closed right now. When do you think the MLB is going to be back up and how have you been getting through this time?
1: Uh... And hopefully, you know, sooner than later, um, I've heard some rumors by mid-May, late May, you know, I've heard some stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, right here, I'm just, uh, I'm basically, I'm throwing my my buddy that lives with me here at the house. Um, I'm throwing with him. I don't think he's ever picked up a baseball, but he can knock it down, you know, and I throw it to him. But uh,
2: yeah,
1: getting some, like some home workout in, you know, doing some running and stuff. But, I mean, I'm getting everything I really need to get done. But I know it's kind of frustrating through the times, but so far, I mean... I'm grinding, but I'm, I'm getting done what I need to get done.
2: Uh, so, uh, heading, to, heading into this season, whenever it does start, um, what are some things you're looking to improve in your game and kind of what have you been working on this past off season?
1: Uh, man, really just, uh, you know, I hurt myself, you know, with injury last year, missed a little bit of time. Um, but man, I feel like I was really catching my groove there for a while You know, at the end of 18, yeah. you know, and, uh, in 19, and you know, they really put me in um, a role of just straight relieving. And I think it really helped me for, for a while. And, I was really getting in my groove, you know, I was having success, you know, my, my mentality going into every game was, was pretty solid, but you know, the injury bug got me for the first time in my career. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it hurt, it hurt, you know, I mean, it was, uh, it was definitely a, a hit that I took, but you know, it just, I went through some mental, uh, mental changes for sure. When it, when that situation, you know, just dealing with injury, watching all the games on TV, not actually being there, you know, it kind of sucks for a while, but yeah. Uh, you know, I think it, probably helped me become but probably you know a little bit you know, stable mindset really just because just dealing with it and just kind of uh, you know just dealing with the injury and just trying to get back as quick as I can and you know I missed some time but uh other than that though man I, I was just trying to bring the same energy that I did the past couple of years you know it, it was uh it was good for me you know with the uh, you know with the success that I was having towards the end of those couple of years uh trying to carry that on over, you know, keep the same mentality, you know, and this year is supposed to be really big for us. I thought we were gonna, you know, really make a good good run at it. And you know, this stuff that happens, you know, it it sucks. But uh you know, everything kinda happens for a reason. We'll kinda we'll figure things out, you know, we'll just kinda keep going whenever we can.
3: Yeah. So you were twenty three uh when you first made your Reds debut, right? I was tw- yep. yep. Well I'm twenty three right now, so like where did I go wrong? so um when you finally made your debut uh just kind of talk about how you prepared for that any jitters any jitters going into the game uh I mean
1: not really you know when I first got uh the call that I was going uh I was was going up against the Astros um I wasn't even on the 40-man roster you know I was getting called up for the first time and um I basically went about it just like I would a normal like AAA A star, double A star, you know, whenever I was pitching before and did the same routine, listened to the same music, woke up, did the same exact thing that I did. Granted, I was in a little nicer hotel and I was in a really, <laughs> it was a little nicer <laughs> of a city and bigger of a city. But um, yeah, I mean, I did the, basically the same thing. And uh, I always tell this story, uh, Jay Bruce is the one, he, he came to me about two weeks or so before spring ended that year in 2016 and was like, um when you get out there for the first time he's like get your arm and your glove and hold it up and he goes block out that third tier of 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 seats and i'm like for what and he goes because in triple a they might have two but they don't ever have three and i was like wow what do you think i did when i first got out there i did a complete 360 and looked everywhere right and (laughs) i didn't didn't listen to one thing he said um mean i uh it was basically everything was normal probably until that moment when I finally stepped on him and I was facing Dallas Keuchel that game too. So like okay. that was a little nerve wracking and, uh, cause I think he won the Cy Young the year before. Yeah. And, um, uh, <laughs> so it was, you know, pretty cool to see him out there. And then, uh, you know, I'm bit, went around the same, same, I mean, I think I, I walked the first hitter on like on five pitches and then the next guy hit a homer. So, I mean, I really didn't get a good, good jump off to the, to my career, but, uh, <laughs> I think I, I finished pretty strong. So, you know, that's all that matters.
0: So we're actually right outside of Lexington, Kentucky, so we know about, a lot about the legends and everything, oh, so I kind yeah. of wanted to ask you about your minor league uh, experience you know, with so Idaho Falls. Don't ask Falls, me about that Lexington
1: everything. year. Oof. Don't let me go <laughs> too into details because it was a rough year for me that year.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, hey, with Idaho Falls, though, you won the championship. That's got to be pretty cool.
1: I was also bad that year, too, but it's all right. <laughs>
0: So, how, how would you say your whole
1: minor league experience was, you know? Was it gritty and grindy? Uh, I think it was pretty good. I mean, there were some moments. There were some grinding moments for sure. I feel like every every guy, you know, in the big leagues right now, they definitely have some sort of story, you know, that they had to deal with. And I've had, you know, the buses breaking down to, uh, you know, uh, missing the bus completely. You know, I've done all that stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, forgot my jersey. Didn't pack my jersey. You know, <laughs> I've done – I forgot cleats, forgot gloves. I mean – I, I, I pitched the game in Idaho Falls with an Outfitters glove from one of my teammates because I didn't pack my glove. Wow. So, I mean, there's multiple things that I've done. But, I mean, um, yeah, Lexington, man, we had them a lot. We were in that South Atlantic League, man. Them travel, that travel is pretty tough. You know, we yeah. Got one, we got one bus. We got about 33, 35 guys on the bus. You know, everyone's doubling up. Everyone's my size. You know, <laughs> them 10-hour bus <laughs> trips are pretty, are pretty brutal when everyone's shoulder to shoulder.
2: Uh, yeah, so going back even further, uh, what was the draft process like, uh, your second-round pick? Um, so what was that like um, going through that whole process?
1: I mean, coming out of high school, you know, I wasn't projected at all. I think my fastball topped out at about 83. So I really didn't have much zip behind it, you know, coming out. But I, uh, my JUCO was about 25, 30 minutes from my house uh, where I grew up. And, um, I mean, I think – Honestly, that was the best decision I could have made because I think I, I was a little younger when I came out of high school. So, um, you know, matured a little bit, got a little stronger, got a little bigger. Um, you know, and that really helped the, for those two years because I really think I needed that those maturity years for sure because, you know, my fastball went from 83 to high school to my sophomore year i got up to like 96 97 so it was like you know what happened in those two years and yeah and the amount of drug tests that i actually received was pretty comical but because uh, <laughs> uh, I, I got tested quite a few times in those two years and uh, just because you know the velocity jump but you know i signed to go to Ole miss after my uh after my freshman year at my juco but for my junior year they wanted me to go my two years and um you know, that was, like, I didn't even think about the draft, honestly, like, uh, that wasn't really a thing that was in my head, like, even our, uh, our coach at the time, he, uh, you know, he was trying to tell me not to worry about it, just, you know, go to Ole Miss, you know, whatever, and then once my sophomore year came, and I really started to, like, kind of blow up a little bit, kind of make a name for myself, it started becoming, like, you know, definitely, like, more of a, a real thing that could happen, and, um, you know, it went from you know, here I am throwing 83 in high school, barely getting a JUCO offer. To I'm about to be a second round pick. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it was yeah. definitely like a huge swing of in terms of events for me. But I really think going to JUCO honestly was probably the best decision I could have made because Ole Miss actually wanted me to walk on out of high school, but uh, financially, I don't think my mom could have done it for me. So you know, I couldn't. I couldn't really put that on her. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, yeah. Went to JUCO for free basically, and it was 25 minutes from the house. You know, I still came home every weekend, right? And uh, it's almost like I never even left, but, um, yeah, going through the process was, you know, pretty fun, pretty, I mean, I was 20 years old going through it, had no clue what to expect. You know, the first time I ever stepped foot on a plane was when I got drafted, you know, so I never really like traveled like that, you know, never really experienced anything like that, you know, drafted by the Royals, you know, flew out to Kansas city and that was, it was really cool. And, uh. And some of the story I like telling, though, know, especially some of the young guys at a high school that I'll go back and talk to, or even the guys that play at my now. You know, I'll tell the story, or they always want to know, you know, how it worked out for me and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, cool little story, you know. But you know, my my, my book's not over yet, so I'm I'm still I'm still trying to write a few pages.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. So, kind of compare and contrast the difference between starting and uh, coming out of the bullpen. Just kind of like what the difference between those two and your experience with that.
1: I mean the, the biggest non-difference is, you know, you're still pitching, right. You're still, you're still trying to get guys out. You know, I think when it comes to starting, you know, you got those four days of, you know, being kind of a little lenient on yourself, you know, that, you know, you're not going to pitch, you know, you kind of can take those mental days off, you know, as it's a break, you know, just in between the years, you know, as a reliever, you know, you almost got to be ready every day. And, uh, you know, and I, I think I, you know, I've benefited from both, you know, I love starting, you know, that's what I've always done really. And, um, and it was something I really enjoyed. I know I loved coming to the field a little extra, you know, later than everyone else, you know, and kind of knowing that day was, you know, was my day. You know, I could play the music in the locker room. I, you know, kind of just get comfortable that day, you know, stepping foot, you know, and everyone knows, you know, I'm starting. And, but relieving, you know, you kind of, you show up, go through the full, you know, full regular day. And, you know, you can, you can pitch one inning or you can pitch three or you can pitch, you know, face one hitter. I mean, I think, well, the rule now is, no the three hitter rule, but I mean, you know, you kind of always kind of be on your toes and I kind of like that, you know, always trying to be yeah. ready. You know, you, you, if you're always ready, you never have to be, you never have to get ready, you know? So yeah, uh, that's, definitely. A, that's a joke. Me and Amir always <laughs> say to each other. So, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I man, I, I mean, I think I can benefit from both, but the difference really is just kind of like, you know, you can be a little laid back, a little bit with starting, you know, you kind of have your day. And, uh, another thing is like when you're relieving, you know, and I'm, I know I'm going to face, you know, a couple guys or go one inning, you know, I can kind of blow it out for that inning. You know, I can kind of let go and, starting you kinda of have to pick and choose when you can hump up and when you, you know, kinda yeah. want set set a groove for yourself. But other than that, man, honestly it's it's in the mindset, I truly think it's the same thing. You know, you're still pitching, you're still trying to get guys out, still trying to throw yourself for strikes, you know, you're still trying to make, you know, pitches command the ball. You know, you can kinda of get away with a little bit of command, I think, when you're in the bullpen. But I mean, for starting, you know, uh, just having those extra lenient days I think is is probably the biggest difference. All right, so I got a classic
0: question I ask everybody. I'm going to go in-depth with this because this, this is pretty intense, man. All right. All uh, right. So, you know, say you're out and about, you're driving, heck, even like on the minor league bus. Mm-hmm. You stop at a gas station, get a little rumble on your tummy, you know. But you, you couldn't eat a full meal. So you're you're going to the gas station. I want to know what your go-to gas station snack is.
1: Oof. Well, now I don't do it, but back then on the, all those bus rides, man, you better believe I was getting two things of chocolate milk almost every time. <laughs> two things of chocolate milk. I would either get some some barbecue Pringles or I would get some beef jerky. I'm trying to think, my, if I ever had a sweet tooth, man, I was huge on those sour worms, some little gummy worms. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. gummy worms, dude. I would crush those. <laughs> <laughs> now I would try to like try to prove to myself that I could eat healthy, and I'd get like a bag of like you know, almonds or something like that. Right. But then yeah. man, that sweet tooth would come and I'd get them worms and I'd have a stomach ate the rest of the bus ride. But cause I'd eat the whole bag. I wouldn't just eat half of it. I'd eat the whole bag. <laughs> and then, uh, I'd sneak a water in there, you know, just for, just for a good measure. But yeah, I would definitely get those two things of chocolate milk. Now I don't even drink milk anymore, but it's, I would get two things of chocolate milk every single time, no matter what, no matter if it was an early morning stop, it was a late night stop. I would always get it. There you go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you touched on it briefly uh, with the new three batter minimum rule uh, that's being implemented. Um, how do you think that'll change kind of um, how the Reds use you and deploy you and kind of how uh, you'll have to face batters since you're a lefty? Uh,
1: I mean, for me, I think my splits are pretty good, you know, when it comes to lefties and righties. You know, I think uh, the way how I, um, you know, what I bring to the table when it comes to you no know, facing hitters, I think, you know. One of my best my best two-game back-to-back games was the end of 2018. I faced the Cubs. They threw nine righties at me. And then the next game, I faced the Marlins, and they did the same exact thing. And I struck out, I think, I want to say against the Cubs that day, it was a day game, all nine righties. And I think I, I think I struck out 10 in five innings. So it was like my stuff still plays against righties, so I don't think it's more of a matchup thing. You know, I think I can get any guy on the side of the plate. I think I can get him out. So I think it honestly benefited me a little bit more having that rule because, you know, I can get out there and get lefties and righties out because my splits are pretty good. So for me, I was kind of excited about that rule, you know, because I think, you know, use that, you get more innings under your belt, you know, you know, each, each year, your innings will go up. Kind of take that into, you know, whenever you go through arbitration, you go through free agency, you know, you show, you can go pick all those innings, you know, this and that. So I think that really would help me, you know, with the, with the three battle rule.
3: So if you had to pick one, one of each, what would be your best moment in baseball and your worst? My best moment in
1: baseball probably was that game. We're not t- I mean, my debut was huge for me. You know, that was a big, big milestone. But my best game was probably that Cubs game, you know, because I really owed it to them because they really tore me up all the way into that moment. They really, <laughs> they really got me good almost every time out there. And the worst moment, I'm pretty sure it was, um, it was my rookie year. I want to say it was against the – I, I think it was against the Cubs. If I, <laughs> I think I gave up like seven or eight and like two and two-thirds or one and two-thirds. It was brutal. I remember I gave up. I walked. I forgot who I walked. I think I walked Baez, and I loaded the bases with the walk, and then I, it was like a mound visit. Contreras was coming up. First, I, walked, I think I'm pretty sure I walked Baez on four pitches. Contreras walks up, very first pitch, takes me deep for a grand slam. And I was like, this game oh, no. is just really not for me right now. <laughs> Today's game isn't, isn't going my way. And in that game, I also, um, there was a guy, I think it was second, and third or first and second, two outs though, fly ball into like short left center field. Rizzo was, was up, hits a fly ball short left, left center and Billy and Adam Duvall are Adams in left Billy's in center. And they kind of get miscommunicated and the ball literally ends up hitting Billy in the cheek off his face. Duval dies for it. It hits Billy. The ball goes all the way to the left field corner. I'm backing up the play. And, you know, it doesn't hit, you know, Adam where Billy has to run after it, because Billy's the fastest guy we got, right? Yeah. He's the yeah. guy that could get to the ball. And but I gotta look up and see Duval get up, run all the way to the corner. He's definitely not as fast as Billy. <laughs> get him all the way to the corner, and I'm over here backing up home plate, and I and I watched Anthony Rizzo get it inside the park homer off him. Of oh. And it was a tough scene to watch. Oh, man. Damn. It was a fly ball off of Billy's cheek, and it went all the way to, the, like, almost to the wall, I'm pretty sure. I mean, it hit him pretty solid now. And I had to watch Rizzo's big self run all the way across the base. It was, it was a tough game for me. It definitely wasn't my game.
0: Yeah, so uh, going back again, you know, you mentioned your previous injuries and everything. Um, So how did you go about getting through that and preparing yourself for, you know, a comeback and everything?
1: Uh, I mean, so my knee was kind of bothering me probably the past few seasons, really. But it was nothing to where I needed to bring it up, bring it to anyone's attention. It was pretty manageable. It was nothing that affected me. You know, it it never bothered me really mainly would bother me maybe like after a game or if I wake up in the morning and then it would go away. So it was nothing really crazy. So I never really thought too much about it cause it was kind of always there. And then, um, I got called up for the doubleheader game against the pirates. I'm pretty sure. And, uh, I was warming up in the bullpen, letting it loose. And I was feeling really good. You know, that year was going really solid for me. And, uh, and I had no issues in the pen. I did my warmups on the mound. Everything was fine. And then I, uh, I mean, I, got, I think the very first pitch, guy hits a fly ball to center. I'm like, all right, one out, one pitch, one out. Next pitch, I think the pitcher was up. First pitch strike, and then that third pitch, the second pitch to him, and it popped, and I was like, it like kind of just kind of scared me, really. It wasn't really nothing like right then and there. Like, I felt some pain. Like, I felt yeah. pain, but it wasn't like, you know, I was more, more of like, what was that, right? Like, did that just happen kind of? Type? Yeah, yeah. And... um and I threw the next pitch, man, and i it was my left knee, and I could not, like, push off to throw. And I, I remember I watched the video, and I, like, when I push off to throw, I, was, I jumped and, like, hobbled around, couldn't land on it, and I was – so that's when I knew. But I came up for that double header, and I knew that our – we already just played nine innings. I think we were in the seventh inning of the second game, so our bullpen was gassed. And I yeah. knew I came up, you know, to cover, you know, two innings. So – and it was the third pitch of the outing, and I'm like, I can't say anything, right? I got to grind through it, like – and so, um, I, Sally was catching, and he comes out, you know, he calls timeout, and uh, David Bell comes out, our, our trainer comes out, and and he kind of knows I had like a little issue with it, but it wasn't nothing bad. And, you know, he was like, Is it your knee? I was like, Yeah, but I'm good. I'm good. Like, you know, just kind of mm-hmm. trying to blow him off. They yeah. asked him, Like, throw some warm up pitches. And I was like, biting my tongue, but no, I, I couldn't, I, I made it. So I finished the inning, you know, sat down. They were worried about me, went out there through the eighth, came back, and then they were like, I think Iglesias came in. And, um, you know, as soon as he told me that I was done and Iglesias was coming in, man, that adrenaline wore off and it was like a heartbeat was in my leg. And I was, oh like, my. Oh. And hey. I was like, no, as soon as that adrenaline wore off, I kind of knew something was up. And, man, got the MRI the next morning, got a little PRP injection, and then, you know, just started the rehab process. I was out in Cincy for about three weeks uh, every morning going to doing a little therapy here and there, but then I went out <laughs> to Arizona to start, start throwing again, running again, kind of get back in the swing of things. And I definitely – pushed myself a little too quick because i just wanted to get back so fast because it wasn't my knee wasn't nothing that was like really bothered me for it, you know it wasn't really an issue for so long and i kind of pushed the envelope a little bit and i had a little bit of a setback and then i was ready to come back that was right around the all-star break and then uh, i had another little setback and it and i was just gonna fight through it again because it was probably like the middle of august or something I was losing my mind at this point because I' never been hurt, you know I was, oh, yeah. there. I was I in Arizona living by myself, you know all I had was video games and then the doordash, you know what I'm saying so yeah. it, was, it was tough for a while. you know I had went to the facility every morning, you know would work out and you know, get all my treatment done, but you know those those days were long, man. they're long out there when you got nothing going on and no one's out there really. And so I was just trying to get out there as quick as I could. and they saw uh, saw me kind of favoring my leg, I guess when I was leaving or I was coming in one day. And then they were like, look, we're not going to put you out there if we know it's still bothering you because, you know, you could possibly, you know, jeopardize next year.
2: Yeah. So, uh,
1: so they basically just shut me down. I was pretty bummed out, you know, continuing my rehab process. And then um, right after that, se- right after the season last year, you know, I moved down. I'm in Tampa, Florida right now, and I moved down here and um, and I rehabbed literally from August or October 1st all the way till I went to spring training, you know, this year. So I was every morning, you know, four times a week, you know, I was, I was doing everything i could and i you know i had a big old brace on my knee you know and i never i never had surgery you no know, so it was, that was kind of like you know should i've had surgery just to get it better because i missed so much time you know i thought about that but um it's got better and i, I wear a brace i still wear it and you know, while i wore it in spring this year you know i wore it under my pants but honestly man that first time back in spring this year you know my, my spring wasn't that great but uh, it was my first time back you know since may before so you know i was just trying to get get used to it and you know my velocity was the same you know my stuff was still good i just you know i was just now getting back you know off injury and you know i'm trying to prove myself for you know in spring training and you know when when something goes wrong you know you kind of you know your mind starts spinning a little bit and uh you know but i was just trying to keep a good mindset keep it positive energy you know and just kind of go throughout every day and you know basically go through every day and no one knows you know like stuff's on my mind basically act like nothing's ever wrong and so yeah uh, had a little rough spring man but you know I felt good and I, my knee didn't bother me at all you know I felt super healthy so I mean that was that was good you know seeing that outcome in it you know all the work that I put in that uh, this past offseason to finally be out there and it, be pain-free you know I look like a little offensive lineman wearing this brace under my pants but, <laughs> you know as long as I felt healthy man it really didn't matter it was, I grinded a little bit but uh I but, you know, man I think it all worked out
2: uh, so for this next question, you don't have to give me uh, an answer that Trevor Bauer might give, but uh, kind of what's what's uh, your take on the whole Houston Astros scandal? Um, well, it's crazy, you know. I'm in my debut against those guys,
1: so uh, and uh, I gave up two home runs, and it was they were two two run homers, but uh, it was a uh, man. I honestly think you know. A lot of people uh, say, you know, they're cheating just like guys take steroids and stuff like that. You know, it's still considered cheating just like that and to to treat it as like equivalent to that. I mean, that might be kind of excessive in my opinion. I still think they cheated, right? I still think, you know, they definitely had some devices and they definitely had some some stuff out there to give guys their advantage. But um, I definitely see the wrong in it. But on another side of it, you know, like they still got to hit. You know what I mean? Like they still got to hit it. It's not like, you know they're cheating to make them hit better yeah, yeah. But, uh, granted those guys are really good at what they do and they're even better when they know what's coming but <laughs> i mean um they still gotta you know they still gotta hit it and i think that um that in itself you know was still you know still impressive what they did you know but that year when they did win the world series that you know definitely gonna raise some eyebrows and be kind of fishy that year and when it definitely came out but yeah i mean it's it sucks. It's, you know, it's tough like that. You know, for pitchers, you know, they're trying to face those guys. I mean, there was a. I saw this one story. This guy got sent down after he faced the Astros, and never got called up again. Right? And oh like, no! And it was like that year, that in 2017, when yeah. he was pitching unreal in Triple A, and then he got called up, and they had the signs or whatnot, and he got absolutely blew up in an inning, got oh, sent man. down the next day, and never got called up again. And like, he obviously, you can only imagine some of the stuff that he had to say. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, I definitely see all the wrong in it, you know, all the wrong reasons in doing it. You know, I don't think it was fair at all. You know, I think I've read – I've watched a bunch of interviews and read, you know, like Aaron Judge talking about, you know, they cheated, Bellinger saying, like, well, they cheated, you know, this and that, they took it away from us or you know, or took it away from the Yankees that year, right? So – Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can see their frustration, you know, definitely. <laughs> but, um, you know, they're in the American League, really didn't face them that often. So, I mean, it's not like it really hurt us that much. But uh, you know, definitely in the baseball world for sure, no they definitely uh, they definitely uh, did wrong by all means.
3: So we usually see baseball players having fun and being creative during rain delays and whatnot. Literally earlier today, I was scrolling through your Instagram and I saw what I saw was incredible. The dugout was flooded, right? <laughs> and, you, and you guys are on inner tubes hitting baseballs. How'd that come about? <laughs>
1: yeah, so that
3: was a. Uh... That video actually went pretty
1: viral for a minute. You know, um, uh,
3: Sports Center hooked us up, threw it on their Instagram and stuff
1: like okay. that. Yeah, it was uh, Amir was there. Uh, y'all remember Rookie Davis? He was there. He actually mm-hmm. is the one that recorded it. He's the one okay. that had my phone and was recording it. So um, <laughs> we were in uh, Indianapolis. We were—I uh, think we were about to start the game, and it just the bottom fell out. Right? It just started raining and raining and raining. And they were like, "You know, it's supposed to clear up." You know how minor leagues—they got to get the games in right. There's yeah, the everything they can to get the games in. So it was raining, raining. I went. They had the uh, in Indy. They had where the grounds crew uh, thing is. They had like a basketball goal. So I would always sneak down there and just shoot around, whatever. Especially like after BP or something, just kind of mm-hmm. you know, just mess around. And so there I go again. It's a rain delay. I'm going to go in there. And uh, I walked in there and water was just flooded the place. And I was like, it's raining that bad. And then, and everyone uh, was like, yo, come look at the dugout. So I go up in the dugout and it was like, probably to about my knees at that point. And I was like, golly, like it's really raining. And then right when, um, I went back, I think I got my phone, put on like my shower shoes, you know, took off my, my pants, right. My baseball pants just had like some shorts on. And, um, I'm pretty sure I took off my shirt for that video. And, uh, there was right where that video is. Where's that? There's a door to. Well, if you look at the video, it's on the right side. It's like where you know how like all like the little games they play in between innings and stuff like, uh, like the huge like battle balls and they run into each other. Yeah, and yeah, All the like fun little games. Well, there that closet right there was for all that stuff. Like all like the the prompts and stuff. And so that door opened, and <laughs> and life jackets and goggles and everything just <laughs> coming out, and I was like, yo, I have gotta get on this. So finally, when I got when I made up my mind to do it the water was probably past my waist at, now and and so I, I remember i was on the stairs and i jumped off the stairs landed right on the tube there was like bats and balls in there and then there, they had like the balls they throw out you know like in the stands and stuff yeah and um i really don't know what it was man but i was like rookie kid i was like throw it to me and then he started recording it and then i cracked that thing or i think i almost took Amir's head off <laughs> but, but yeah man, that video was really really fun man everybody Told me how gross I was. I was sitting in that water, but golly it made for a good story and a good video. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. All right. Um. So for this question, I wanted to ask you, who are some guys that you've played with or even against, for that matter? Um. You think have really helped develop your game?
1: Um. Honestly, man, I I brought up Jay Bruce earlier. Man, that guy was more of. Obviously, he's a right fielder. I'm a pitcher, but you know, we kind of we clicked pretty early. My first big league camp was my first ever spring. Uh, training with the Reds, so it was my first ever big league camp, and uh, man, he came. I was number eighty four, right, the furthest part, yeah. the furthest away from like you know basically everyone else because my locker's so far away. <laughs> uh, but man, he he made the uh, the effort to come up to me, you know, ask how I was doing all the time, and he basically told me how to be just a professional, really, not not even you know in the baseball world, but it had nothing to do with baseball, it had nothing to do with uh, you know like pitching or hitting, right? Because you know we can't really go back and forth when it comes to that stuff, but basically just had to be a, a professional and how to go about your business the right way and this and that, you know, and he helped me with that. Man, Zach Cozart was another one of those guys that was really, was really, really cool with me. We're from the same area, right? We're both from the Memphis area. So yeah, we already had that little, that little connection going for us. Honestly, man, and a lot of people are, are going to disagree, man, but Homer Bailey actually helped me out. He actually, <laughs> he actually did a lot, man. Okay. Some of the stuff that he would do when it was just me and him, especially my rookie year when I was struggling a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he'd invite me over to his house. You know, we'd play some pool, you know, listen to some old music and just talk about stuff, anything other than baseball, right? So, I mean, yeah. he was one of those guys who kind of took me under his wing. He was my – they put me right next to him my rookie season. when I got called up the first time. Our lockers were right next to each other. There you uh, know. So, you know, you know I've, I know he's got some bad rap here and there. You know, he's, he wasn't the best guy at times. But, man, like with me, when it was definitely like one-on-one, he was pretty cool with me. You know, he texted me here and there. I even texted him when he got – Picked it by the Royals, and we went to the A's, and all that stuff. No, I yeah. definitely, I told him he looked better in green than blue, and stuff like that. So <laughs> I mean, he, he was good. He was good for. He was good to me for for you know the time that we had together for sure. And uh, you know, uh, I mean, Sunny Gray now. I and mean, then that dude's a that dude is a wizard, right? That dude mm-hmm. is. Yeah. He's he's a pretty good dude, man. And us being you know Tennessee natives, and you know him going to Vanderbilt SEC schools and stuff like that. I was going to old Miss, and he loves old Miss, right? So yeah, we always had that. I mean, we had a bunch of talks this spring. You know, uh, we got there early mornings. Everyone go jump in the hot tub real quick, get your day started. I mean, we, me, and him would drink our our coffee, and sit in the hot tub, and just talk about anything. You know, when it came to pitching, it came to golf. You know, he's a pretty good golfer too. So we talked about a little bit of everything, but. Yeah, Sonny's good, man. I really uh, like Tanner Roark, you know, in that year, too. You know, he was yeah. another good guy. And uh, and obviously, you got like me and Sal and Amir and Rob. You know, we're all really good friends. And, you know, we always, you know, we bust each other's balls. But, you know, we're all really good friends. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, uh, as uh, Advanced Analytics have become a bigger part of baseball, um, is there any way that, uh, in particular, that Advanced Analytics have helped you uh, with your pitching game?
1: Honestly, man, I don't even look at that stuff. Yeah, you don't okay. um i'm not i am not i am not big i mean maybe i should you know but um <laughs> i i when i came up you know some of the pitching coaches that i had basically they just put in my brain that it was like me versus the guy right it was me versus the hitter yeah didn't want really think about it because i think if when you start thinking about much of those stuff the stuff that's actually important you know you kind of lose sight of that so um i try to just you know, make it as simple as possible, go out there and just be good at what I'm good at. You know, If I'm good at throwing fastballs up and in, if I'm good at throwing sliders down, down and away, or, you know, or it to a variety, like that's what I'm going to do. Right. I think pitchers always have the advantage, you know, cause they're the ones that they know what they're throwing. Right. So, yeah. Um, you no, know, I, I get the spin rate thing. You know, you want more spin, you know, you want to throw the ball harder. Like I get that, man. I want to throw the ball hundred miles an hour, just like everyone else, you know, but, yeah. um, I, uh, you know, I'm not really big on that, but maybe I should. I've been tweaking on it here and there this spring because you know we had you know we had Cal and you know um, every bullpen. You know, there's there's a camera and there's you know a, a a laptop right beside you watching you throw and you can go back and look how hard you were throwing and this and that. But um, I never really got that big into it. I never really was a fan, especially at the very beginning. Um, but I've heard some good things. You know, and there's a lot of guys that are just like me. You know, and don't really care for it that much. And there's yeah. guys that are like. Trevor Bauer that are, you know, all about it. So, you know, I think it's just yeah. kind of a preference. And you know, I think I'm going to dabble into it here and there, you know, when it kind of gets to that time. But as of right now, man, I think I'm just, I, I don't even want to say the word old school because, you know, I think that's not even the word, but I'm just, yeah. I'm just going at it as if like, you know, it's just me versus the guy. And I think my stuff, you know, can get anyone out. So that's the, that's the mindset I'm going to bring every time.
3: So we had your teammate TJ Antone on the other day and I asked <laughs> I asked him this question uh, who is the one guy you're scared of the most when they're walking up to bat I'm not gonna say I'm scared of anyone
1: but I will say that um, the guys that give me the most trouble I probably I'm probably have to go with with uh, with Rizzo you know that story before he's always kind of giving yeah. me a little trouble but one of the biggest situations that I was in actually was um, I want I think it was players weekend 2018. Uh, Matt Harvey was pitching that game against the Cubs. It's like the sixth inning; he was cruising, right? It was one to nothing. Yeah. He was cruising. He got like a little bit of a jam in the sixth, fifth or sixth, and um, and it was bases loaded, one out. And for some reason, Riggleman was you know our manager at the time, and he's for some reason I was the guy, right? And Rizzo <laughs> yep. was coming, you know, me and Amir were the lefties in the pen. Uh, Wandy was there, and um, and so I was the guy. And, uh, so I warmed up and, you know, our bullpen coach was like, um, it's, uh, it's Rizzo. And I like immediately you get like the, Oh no type. Yeah. Know, <laughs> just, just because of like the past that he's had against me. But, um, man, I was, I got there and it was, a, I'm pretty sure it was a full count. Cause I got, I went 2 Oh and panicked because it was, it was a one nothing game. In the sixth inning is a day game at Wrigley. You know, Harvey just pitched his tail off and, uh. I got to a full count and it was one out. So he ended up hitting a ball. It was a slider that I threw down and away. he somehow hit it and hit it right back to me. And like I went from me to Tucker, Tucker to Brandon Dixon was playing first base. And we got like a one two three double play and it was insane. And it was a probably a nice. big, big moment that uh probably the most stressful moment I've been in, uh playing wise and uh and it was against him too, right? Yeah. So yeah. it kinda it kinda like, you know, eases the pain that is if he's ever bought me any. So all right, so I'm gonna take it
0: back to uh, JUCO ball. Um, yeah. So uh, why, like, why would you say you would go or prefer JUCO rather than like a D1 school or something? Like, what are some reasons?
1: Uh, well, I mean, it just you kind of base it off preference. Like, if there's a guy in high school, you know, he's got high projectability, you know, thinks he can. Uh, I'm not, I, and by no means am I bashing or trying to say that Juco's better or, or saying that you know going to a big SEC school is is the way to go as well, but. I just think if you got some uh, projectability coming out of high school, and and if, you know when you go to those big schools, you got to wait three years. Yeah, you, know, you can't. You in in JUCO, I could have got drafted after my freshman year. I got drafted after my sophomore year. Like, I think it helps, you know, kind of start some guys' clocks a little early. I mean, look, I mean Bryce Harper, yeah, he did it for obvious reasons because he knew that he was going to be the number one pick. Yeah, he went to high school early, went to JUCO because he knew because you know he just had to get out of there and and uh, you know obviously it's done. It, was, it worked in unreal in his favor but uh like you know i just think you know juco i get that people are going to bash on like the competition and uh the facilities that you got on is good like man i mean i went to juco mississippi man and exactly what you think about it is exactly what it was <laughs> so i mean uh, and i love that place man like from the bottom of my heart that place is always going to have a special special place to me but um I mean, I, 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 toured, you know, Florida, I did the, I mean, I was committed to Old Miss, right. Like I did all those yeah. big schools in Alabama, you know, I, I, I went there and I saw it and man, it's, it's unreal. Like it's unreal, how, all the stuff they get. And, you know, but I was, I was over there, you know, playing double headers every Saturday and, and eating Uncrustables in between each game, you know, I don't think they oh. really, they weren't doing that in, in, in the SEC probably. Yeah. But, um, but I would just say, man, it just depends on like how you are as a player. Like, a lot of guys think that I went to JUCO so I could get drafted early, but that wasn't the case at all. I went to my school because that was my only offer out of high school. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, it, everyone has a little different story. But I think, you know, if if you want to go live the college life and live there for three years or, you know, or four and, and you know, and wait that long to get drafted, if that's what you, you know, really want to do, then I think if you're trying to get your baseball started, like her clock working, then, you know, JUCO is the way to go. If you think that, you know, you can get drafted high enough and you can – you know, excel in that league. Like, why would you want to wait three years? You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm not saying college isn't fun because, I mean, I went for two years, and it was fun for me, but, you know, baseball was my thing. So, I mean, I wanted to get my clock started you know, as quick as I could. Absolutely.
3: All right. It's the end of the world. Zombie apocalypse is happening, right? You All get, right. You get to pick a weapon. What weapon are you using during the zombie apocalypse, and who's your posse of guys that you're surrounding yourself with? Oh, man. My weapon,
1: oh, my God. Be, I mean, everyone, everyone picks guns, right? I mean, that's just – you don't want anyone to get in close contact with you. Yeah. You don't want anyone to get close. You want but you mean, want I mean, the like sword, close. that would be pretty cool too. But yeah. yeah, but, like, do you know how to use one? You know what I'm no. saying? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how to use one. But um, I would probably have to go in and, and I would definitely – I mean, I've seen I Am Legend, right? We've all seen it. That yeah. is. Yeah. Will Smith Always is does. rocking in that movie. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how I think I want to be. But um, if I had to pick a group of guys, I'd probably pick Amir and Sal. Um, I'd pick all the big guys, you know, so they can take him down. And I'll just sit back and watch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, I would take. Uh, I'd probably take Tucker Barnhart too, man. That's my dude. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, especially Amir and Sal. There's two big bodies. I'm sure like they'll go after them first.
3: There you go. There you go. Speaking of Amir, what'd you have to say to him? as soon as he charges to the Pirates' uh, bench last year by himself. Oh, oh,
2: by himself. Amir,
3: Amir is one of my best friends, right? Me and him, you know, we've been friends
1: ever since we met each other, really good friends, and uh, we talk almost every day still. So, um, man, when that happened, uh, I was watching on TV. I didn't, didn't text him because, obviously, you, you know his phone's going to be blowing up. Yeah. And so I was just waiting for him to call me because I know he was going to. I just didn't really know when and it was that night after the game everything kind of died down it was pretty late i was in arizona and um so it was later for him than it was for me and it was probably about like two that morning and he facetimes me and it was probably like 11 midnight in arizona and i answered the phone and we just looked at each other in silence for about 30 seconds and finally he would, he was like you're not gonna ask me what i'm thinking <laughs> and uh but yeah man yeah uh, we talked about it you know i I gave him my two cents and let him know how big of an idiot he was, but also how cool he looked at the same time. But, I mean, yeah, that definitely spark gave him a little clout for sure, him doing that. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, he would, and that's the thing is, like, when you see, when everyone watches that video, like, that's honestly not how he is. You know, that was kind of like an out of body thing where he just kind of got let his emotions get the best of him and stuff like that. But, but now everyone knows in the back of their head how he how he can be. Yeah. you know so um so that's that's basically you know kind of what all of the areas around him now he's definitely not like that but everybody knows that he can get like that now
0: all right so i want to ask you about uh some of your hype music you know what do you get what do you get hyped up with pre-game how do you decide your walk-up song you know what do you what are you rocking
1: um man i'm a big like Lil wayne future guy you know i love okay. really that's what's one of my big guys too I mean, I usually stick with, like, the hip-hop rap, especially when it comes, like, you know, pre, pre-game. pre You know, I'm a, I am ai listen to everything, honestly. Like, um, But I'm a big Drake future guy. Um, you know, I think a lot of us, definitely in the clubhouse, you know, we all listen about the same stuff. Like, everyone knows almost all the songs that are getting played over the speakers in the locker room and stuff in the clubhouse. Yeah, but, um, yeah man, I try to... My walkout songs, man, basically just depends on what's hot at that moment, right? What's the hot yeah, yeah. right? So, I mean, I don't want to doing a copy you know what everyone else has i will say that i did face uh arenado and at a night game in colorado a couple years ago and he walked out to that 4 a.m song by uh (laughs) and i'm telling you that song was hidden yeah bad i mean i was i got chills when he was walking to the plate i was like no way you better believe i added that to my playlist immediately Oh, for but, sure. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, man. Basically, kind of just what's hot at the moment. I'm a big music guy. I try to keep up with uh, with the music, what, what latest drops and stuff come out, especially now because I got nothing else to do. Right. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, yeah, just probably what's what's hot at the moment. But I will say I stick with like with the Drake in the future, and
3: you know I like J Cole a little bit. You
1: know, I kind of I kind of mix it up. I like a little bit everybody.
3: Uh, so, you, do you have like a funny, weird, strange, awkward behind the scenes story? Or anything that happened that outside of the organization that maybe no one would know about.
1: Um, not really like awkwardness. I don't think. I feel like I'm. I, uh, I try to shy away from all
3: the awkwardness. Like Man. a weird interaction with a fan or something. Yeah, we had
2: a we
1: had
0: a guy come on. Uh, it was Travion Graham. He plays for the Hawks. Uh, he came on and he said that he had a fan that swapped his jersey for a drawing and then posted it online and said that
1: it was stolen by Travion Graham. Nice so anything crazy you know yeah i mean um i don't know if i'm supposed to say but when i was in idaho falls man i actually signed a a woman's chest before and her husband asked me to do it oh oh Um, wow yeah so that was uh that was a little different but that was like two or three weeks into my pro career right and i was like this is what i got going on for me right now uh, yeah i did that um Oh, but man but fans i feel like fans have always been pretty good with me i mean some of them give me some hate right some of them will let me have it they'll let me know you know how bad i am at times but uh but other than that man i, I always try to laugh at it play jokes with it you know i really don't let it, oz uh, never really let it get to me but you know they they always got something to say for sure but they're also the ones that gotta pay for the ticket to get into the game yeah right yeah. so i mean that's usually what i say back just a little subtle you know kind of I kill him with kindness, you know what I mean? So, there you go.
2: That's there usually go. what I
1: try to do. i joke about it, you know, and I'll still throw them a ball during BP and stuff like that. Just, you know, just have all, you know, good fun laughs about it and just keep the spirits up. But, you know, I remember, I think in Wrigley, they're pretty rough. You know, they'll let me have it. My oh, first yeah. start in San Francisco, they were pretty rough. Um, but yeah i mean but they're gonna be everywhere right there's gonna be that one guy that yeah you know, will let you let you know you know or like they'll look up i remember one guy looked up you know who my girlfriend was and and um, you know her instagram and uh, all that stuff so i mean there's i've had guys do all sorts of stuff but nothing really crazy crazy because i feel like i always kind of i kill it pretty quickly or just kind of joke around or laugh it off but yeah um, the man Idaho falls and that story was pretty good though <laughs> That's all right, man. Is.
0: I think we're pretty good. That I think that about wraps it up.
1: Happy early birthday, by the way. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah. Yeah. All
2: right.
1: yeah, man. man. I'm going to celebrate my birthday at the house. I'm sitting at the house by myself. Oh, old. man. <laughs> so. We appreciate you
0: coming on, my man. That was, that was a great interview. Yes, sir, man. No problem. Take care. All right, brother. Y'all take it
3: easy. See you, man. And that does it for another episode of the From the Sidelines podcast. Special thanks to Cody Reed of the Reds for joining us today. Make sure you give him a follow on Instagram at Cody underscore Reed and on Twitter at Cody underscore Reed 23. And then after you do that, check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts at the FTS pod or send us any feedback or questions you may have to us at the FTS pod at gmail.com.
0: Bye. Have a great time.